Hey, so I wanna walk you through the current season of life that I'm in right now and kind of what I'm learning about this season of life because lately I've been in this season where I just kinda wanna work on myself. And, And I'm not totally sure why I'm in this season right now. I think part of it is because I turned 36 in a few days, which means my age can be officially rounded up to 40, which means that any day now, according to my primary physician, I'm due for a head-to-toe physical and a midlife crisis. (laughs) Um, For very different reasons, I would like to avoid both of those things. And so I'm just in this season lately where like, I want to try to work on myself. I want to work on carefully forming my physical and emotional and spiritual life into something that I'm a little happier with. And so lately, I've had to take a really good hard look at some of my habits, Right, I've had to admit that I've got a lot of bad habits in my life that I want to cut out, and then I've had to focus on a few good habits that I want to try to build into my life. All right, first of all, my bad habits. I've got plenty of these. I've got plenty of really bad habits. Um, some of them are, are just kind of trivial and, and a little bit dumb, and, and they're not that important. Like, for example, I bite my fingernails. Um, I've done that for decades. I actually remember how this one started. I, I was sitting on my couch in Plano, Texas. I'm, I'm somewhere between like 10 and 13 years old. And I'm sitting on the couch. I'm watching TV. There's a character on the TV who's biting their fingernails. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. And I remember thinking like, people chew their fingernails off? That's disgusting. Like, what a weirdo. And then the thought that came right after that was like, how is that even possible? And the thought that came right after that was like, wait, is that even possible? And then the thought that came after that was like, I'm gonna do a little research here. And I bit my fingernails for the first time and I simply just like haven't stopped since. It's a totally bad habit, habitual. I don't even realize I'm doing it. In fact, I don't ever realize I'm doing it until there's actual consequences from it. Example of that would be like two years ago, I was biting my nails at a red light and I chipped my front tooth. It's the only time that I ever realize I'm biting my teeth. So I look like Lloyd Chris, Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, and that's fine. I got it fixed. So I have bad habits. Some, some of them are trivial and, and you know, just kind of dumb, but others are like more detrimental to my life. You know, for example, I'll, I'll stay up really late, um, and, and I tell myself I'm a night owl, but then I still get up really early, left to my own devices. So like, I'll, I'll, I'll just like sleep deprive myself for no good reason and feel like crap all day, that's a bad habit. Other, others of my bad habits are, are like they bring shame into my life because they've turned into addictions. For me, that's my, my relationship with nicotine. I, I started chewing tobacco forever ago, like years and years ago. And I was one of those freaks who the first time I put a dip in, unlike the kids in the Sandlot movie that I grew up with, I didn't get sick and I enjoyed the taste immediately. And it just started this like lifelong battle with nicotine. Like I, it's probably something I'm gonna have to intentionally fight off for the rest of my life. So I'm in this season where I'm like taking a look at my bad habits and I wanna change them. And, and the main way I wanna change them is by trying to replace them with good habits, right? So like, for example, instead of staying up late and try to like get some me time or whatever, instead I'm trying to go to bed at a good time and then get up really early at like 5 a.m. to get my me time. I have a morning routine now. Part of that routine is I wake up at five and I work out. I try to take care of myself physically. 
I know that you can notice a vast change in me, and so now you know why. Uh, <laughs> so that's part of my routine is I get up, I work out. Part of my routine is I read my Bible and I spend time praying. I'm trying to replace these bad habits with good habits. And for the most part, it's been pretty amazing for the last few months. But get this. Even though I can honestly look at every single change I've made and I can objectively say, this is for sure a better way to live my life. These have been good changes. Even though I can say that, it's still really difficult to stick to those commitments every single day. It's just so much easier to like fall into my old way of living, my bad habits. And that's because even though these changes that I've made in my life are good, they aren't yet habitual. Or, or another way of putting that is these new good changes that I've made in my life, they haven't formed me into a different person yet. And, and that's one of the big things I've been learning lately. I've been learning that the only way to form a habit, whether it's a good habit or a bad habit, is by using this equation. Repetition plus time equals formation. All right, now that's a little nerdy, and I'm no math whiz, so let me try to explain my brain to you. So for example, if I wanna become a morning person, I have to wake up at 5 a.m. today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, and I have to do that with repetition over and over and over again for a long period of time. That's the only hope I will ever have of becoming a morning person, which I desperately want to become. But that requires repetition over a long course of time. If I remove the time aspect, all right, then I've got false expectations. Meaning if, if I think to myself that all it's gonna take is a few reps, like I'll get up at 5 a.m. for seven days in a row and that's gonna be enough to change my entire, entire lifestyle and flip it upside down, well, I'm gonna get frustrated. That's repetition, but for not enough time. Or if I were to take the, the repetition piece and remove it from the equation, again, I've got false expectations. Like if I tell myself I'll wake up at 5 a.m. only on Mondays, but I'll do it for five years, well, that's not gonna make me a morning person because I've done away with the repetition piece. I've just been learning lately that as I'm trying to get rid of these bad habits by replacing them with good habits, I'm learning that only repetition plus time leads to formation. Now, what does this have to do with this Just Breathe series? Well, in my opinion, I think it has a lot to do with this series. In this series, we've been taking a look at our relationships in and with our families, and not only are we looking at the relationships, but we're trying to go upstream, right, to figure out how we got to the place that we currently are in our marriages and in our dating and with our parenting, or you name it. Jesus said this, he said, seek first his kingdom, that's God's kingdom, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Or in other words, Jesus said, if you're breathing in God's kingdom, like his way of life, and if you're breathing in God's righteousness, what God says to be good and true, if you're breathing that in, then you're gonna make it. All right, later when you get downstream and life blows up, you're not gonna drown and you're not gonna suffocate. But at the same time, today we're talking about parenting. 
And if we're being honest, a lot of us, myself definitely included, would not describe parenting as a consistent day in, day out, breath of fresh air in my life. No, more likely, we would probably say that half the time we feel like we're suffocating. So let's go upstream. What do we need to be breathing in when it comes to parenting if we don't wanna suffocate downstream? And that's where this whole formation thing comes into play. Because for any of us who are our parents, we understand that our main job isn't just to keep our kids alive, right? Like our main job isn't just to feed them and clothe them and put a roof over their heads and then get them to school and get them graduated and then get them out of our house. Like we understand that our job is bigger than that. We understand that somehow we have to help form these little people into decent human beings. We've got to help form them with certain values and a particular view of the world and respect for other human beings. And we've got to form in them like a moral foundation and a moral compass that's going to help them thrive in a really confusing world. We aren't just here to keep our kids alive. We're here to help form them into like adults who can positively contribute to the world around them. And so parents are taking part in the act of formation when we raise our kids. But if you're anything like me, we, we aren't usually thinking of the whole repetition plus time equals formation thing. Instead, we just want them to be fully formed and we want them to be fully formed like right now. At, at least that's how I typically feel. Uh, I'll look at my, my daughter, Chloe, and I'll be like, why are you acting like you're three years old right now? And I'll never take the time to pause and go like, well, she's three years old right now. I just want her to be fully formed now. I'm a big fan of the TV show, The Office, and one of my favorite lines of the entire show is when Michael Scott, who's the boss, he, he gets mad at Toby, who's the HR guy that Michael hates for no reason, like no good reason at all. Toby does something that makes Michael mad, and Michael looks at him and he goes, Toby, why are you the way that you are? And it's like so stripped down and like hurtful and mean, but at the same time, I feel that way with my kids all of the time. I've got three kids. If you go oldest to youngest, it's girl, boy, girl, and the ages are currently eight, six, and three, and I feel this way with them. So I'll tell Emery, who's, who's eight, I'll be like, hey, go upstairs, brush your teeth, get PJs on, get ready for bed. And she'll look at me blankly and be like, okay, and then she'll disappear. 30 minutes later, I go up to check on her, and she hasn't done anything that I've asked her. She's super creative, so she's just been in her room, like, singing and dancing and, like, in her own world, and I'll think to myself, Emery, like, Why? Are you the way that you are? Or Michael will come downstairs with underwear on his head, karate chopping the couch. Or Chloe, my youngest, will boss her older siblings around and like issue commands and expect total obedience. And I'll think to myself, like, why are you the way that you are? I guess what I'm saying is that I often have this weird, false expectation of my kids. And what I'm slowly discovering is that I become a pretty crappy dad whenever I buy into one of two parenting myths. And both of these myths have to do with this whole repetition plus time equals formation thing. The first parenting myth I buy into is the one that I just talked about. I buy into the myth that my kids should already be fully formed individuals. They should be fully formed now, like today. 
I want them to take full responsibility of their actions now. And I want them to understand that broccoli is actually delicious. And I want them to understand that now. And I want them to get out there and earn a paycheck now. It's like, oh, you want an American Girl doll? Cool. So you need to open a checking account and you need to earn $110. I want them to do that now. And whenever I buy into this myth, I parent from a place of frustration, become a total micromanager of my kids' behaviors. I exhaust them. I exhaust myself. I exhaust everyone. Like, you can talk to my wife, Allie. Like, the last couple weeks, I have parented from a place of frustration, all right? Until a couple days ago, she kindly sat me down in her, in her like, sweet, patient, gracious way. She basically told me, like, get your stuff together. If you ever seen the, the old movie, The Sound of Music, there's the dad who's got the little whistle, and when he blows it, like all 13 Von Trapp kids go like stand at attention in the hallway. Like I feel myself wanting that kind of control. Like the kids will be running around screaming and tearing through the house, and I'm just like, somebody get me a whistle up in this joint. Get frustrated. But that's because I've convinced myself that my kids should already be fully formed individuals. Or in other words, when it comes to parenting, I took the time out of the equation. And repetition without time equals frustration. I forgot that the formation of my kids is gonna take decades. Like, I can't expect that it's gonna be as simple as saying like three or four times, like, hey guys, you should be kind to one another, and then that's that. No, it's gonna take time, years and years and years of that kind of formation. It's not enough for me to tell my daughter, Emery, that she's beautiful 10 times over the course of the 18 years that she's gonna live in my house. If I, if I wanted to understand that she's beautiful and God did an amazing job with the way that he created her, I've got to tell her that with repetition for a really, really long time. I've got to tell her she's beautiful when she's eight and I've got to tell her she's beautiful when she's 48. That's one of the myths that I buy into with parenting, that my kids should be fully formed individuals already. And then the other myth that I buy into uh, with parenting is this. I buy into the myth that the most important parenting moments are the big moments. And here's what I mean by that. Like, I'll fall into the idea that the real deal version of parenting, like the real nitty gritty formative parenting is gonna happen in these big bursts, like in the big moments, for example, like when it's time to have the birds and bees talk with them or when they have their first breakup and they come home crying or when they fail their first test or win their first championship or earn their first paycheck. Like I convince myself that parenting only happens in the big moments and everything else in between is just keeping them alive. And when I buy into this myth, I parent from a place of passivity. When I'm at home, I'll find myself like retreating into the news feed on my phone or retreating into a really good book, just kind of zoning out. I become that dad who just kind of gets home from work and chills on the couch and stares at the wall. Why? Well, because there's no parenting. There's no formation to be done right now. It's not a big moment, right? It's just a run-of-the-mill Sunday afternoon. See, in that myth, I've taken the repetition out of the equation and time without repetition equals passivity. 
I forgot that formation doesn't happen in these weird random bursts in the random big moments. Instead, formation happens with repetition. Like you just gotta show up and be present day in and day out for years and years and years. See, deep down inside, we we know that like parenting is more than just keeping the dang kids alive. Like we know that it's all about formation, but at the same time, we quickly forget that formation takes repetition and time. And whenever we forget that, we start parenting either from a place of frustration or a place of passivity because we've bought into one of two parenting myths. My kids should already be fully formed individuals or the most important parenting moments are the big moments. Now, thankfully, God gives us a much more realistic description of parenting. And it's one that's all about like true formation, not frustration, not passivity, but formation. And I think the place that it's easiest to see this is in in Deuteronomy 6. Right now, last weekend, Jim quoted something called the Shema, and it's a commandment from Deuteronomy 6, and then he applied it to marriage. Maybe you remember that verse. It, It goes like this. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And Jesus himself said that that, that commandment right there is the most important commandment in all of the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then this week, I wanna pick up right where Jim left off in the verse that occurs right after this one. So I want to read through these next few verses and then we'll kind of break them down together. All right, next verse, verse six goes like this. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. All right, so let's break this down. All right, because what we're seeing here is a commandment and a guideline for spiritual formation in the lives of our kids. And right away, you can see this whole repetition plus time equals formation concept. Let me explain. First verse of this section. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. All right, remember that Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So like God's way of life and what God says to be right and true and best. Seek those things first and everything else will play out. And in Deuteronomy 6, we just saw the the same thing. It says, first and foremost, this way of life and what God says to be good and true should be written on our hearts, on the hearts of the parents. More on that in a minute. But for now, let's just keep going. Next verse. Impress them on your children. Now, let's take a time out there because I love this verse. All right, impress God's better way of life on your children. And when we first hear that, we might get the wrong idea. All right, so we might get this idea that what that means is we have to impress them, like we have to dazzle them. Like we might be thinking like, talk to your kids about God in a way that's just gonna really dazzle them. They're gonna sit there and go, ooh, ah, But that's not what this verse means. The original Hebrew word for impress in this verse is shanan. And and like a lot of old Hebrew words, it's actually a word picture. And the picture is one of sharpening a sword. How do you sharpen a sword? 
Well, you've got to make the same motion over and over and over. That's repetition. And you have to make that same motion for a long period of time. Repetition plus time equals sword sharpening, equals impressing, equals formation. So in Deuteronomy 6, God says that we're supposed to engage in formation with our kids, repetition plus time. And then after that, he gives us a few ideas of how we can spiritually form our kids. Next verse, he says this. He goes, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. So so talk about God's better way of life and talk about God's good truth with your kids. And I love the example that he gives because God doesn't say, talk about this when the stuff hits the fan or talk about this in the really big moments. So he doesn't say talk about this stuff when your daughter gets engaged or when your son comes home drunk for the first time. No, instead he says talk about this way of life in the boring, mundane, seemingly unimportant moments of life. When you sit at home and walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Translation, when you're eating breakfast with your kids before school and when you're driving them to school and when you're sitting in the living room on a run-of-the-mill Sunday afternoon and when you're tucking them into bed at night. Practice repetition over time. Talk about God with your kids. Sometimes I think I do this well and I get to see the fruit of it. For example, the other day, Chloe, she's my three-year-old, she's out in the backyard and she was standing in front of some flowers that Allie had planted. She'd been standing out there for a really long time. So I go outside and I'm like, Chloe, what are you doing? And her like perfect little toddler, cute voice, she's like, I'm just looking at butterflies. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll come look at butterflies with you. So I stand there with her for a second. And then a few seconds later, she goes, butterflies are amazing because God is amazing. And it was like one of those like few dad win moments. And that's because whenever I'm trying to be intentional and I'm paying attention, I'm always trying to look for some cool creation and I'm trying to point it out to my kids. Like when I catch a fish with Michael or when we catch a grasshopper in the backyard, I'm always trying to point it out and I always say something like, hey guys, God didn't have to make fish. He didn't have to make grasshoppers. He just did it because he's awesome and he's creative and he's cool. And then Chloe repeated that back to me, and I'm like, sweet, dad win. But then other times I do this really poorly. Example of that is just the other day, Micah was whining about something, and I started to speak, and before I could even get a few words out, Micah interrupted me, and he goes, I am not a crybaby. Now, I've never called him a crybaby in my entire life, but I have multiple times a day for years in a row, I have gotten on to him, usually in the voice of frustration about how he's whining. I've been like, buddy, stop whining, talk your age, lower your voice, dude, you're six years old, talk like it. And obviously, Micah is taking away the message from me that I believe he's a crybaby. God gives us these ideas for formation. He says it happens in these little moments, not just the big moments. It happens when we're driving or shopping or hiking or eating dinner with our kids. He says, first of all, our kids are formed by the way we talk. Then God gives us another example of formation. He says this, he says, tie them, these commandments, meaning my better way of life and, and my truth, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And that one seems weird at first, but he's not saying to wear WWJD bracelets and sweatpants or something. Instead, the original Hebrew word for symbol is off. 
and it means flag or beacon or monument. In other words, as mom or dad, you are supposed to be like a monument, like a landmark in your kid's life. A few weeks ago, Allie and I took our kids up to, uh, Jim's got a cabin up in the mountains, so we took them up to this cabin and we're walking around the woods and I'm trying to explain to my kids like how to find their way back to the cabin just in case they ever get lost out there, lost in Pop-Ops woods. And so I'm like, okay, so first of all, listen for the generator because it's loud. You know, like listen for the generator and walk toward it. And then I go, if you can't hear the generator, then look for Pop-Pop's roof and walk toward it. And then if you can't hear the generator and you can't see the roof, then go find the creek and you put a leaf in it and you follow the leaf until you get to the pond. And what I'm doing is I'm giving them landmarks so that they can find their way home if they ever get lost. I think one of the ways that we could interpret this verse is that as parents, we are like landmarks should our kids ever get lost. We've tied God's way of life onto our hands and onto our foreheads. We've become like monuments and landmarks of God's better way of life. And so when our kids turn around and get lost in this life, they can look back to us if they wanna get back to truth. And when our kids get hurt in this life, they can run to us because we're like landmarks of God's safety and peace and security. In this verse, we learn that our kids are formed by the way we talk and by the way we act. Then in the last verse of this section, God says this. He goes, write them, the commandments, so write this better way of life and write this truth on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And again, this doesn't mean you gotta decorate your walls with Bible verses or something. Not that that's a bad idea, like we have some of that in my house, but instead it's deeper than that. This verse means that our homes should be the place where we practice this better way of life and this good truth. It's the place where we live out the kind of life that Jesus outlined for us. Or in other words, like honestly, we can sit down and talk, 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 talk about forgiveness all day long with our kids. But if we don't forgive them, or if they don't see us forgiving their mom or forgiving their, their dad, well then we're not impressing this way of life into their life. And we could talk all day long and convince ourselves that we're like landmarks for God's love in our kids' lives. But if we spend all evening zoned out on our phones while they entertain themselves, we're not impressing and forming our kids into this way of life. And I'm not throwing stones. I've done all of those things. But regardless, in Deuteronomy 6, we learn that our kids are formed by the way we talk, by the way we act, and by the state of our homes. God says that raising kids is a process of formation. It doesn't happen overnight, it takes time. And it doesn't just happen in the big moments, it takes repetition. Our kids are formed repeatedly and over time by the way we talk, the way we act, and the state of our homes. And so, what are your kids hearing when you talk? And what are your kids seeing by the way that you act? And what are they learning from the state of your home? Now, what you wanna do with that information is totally up to you, all right? And hopefully you've already had like maybe a brief little moment where you're like, oh, that's good. I never thought of it that way. Like I'm, I'm gonna take that and make some changes based on that. But the formation of our kids actually isn't the main point of this talk. Because again, this, talk, this series is about going upstream, all right? We're not here to talk about three simple steps to completely change your parenting overnight. I don't think that's how parenting works. 
Instead, the main takeaway from this talk happened way back in that first verse that we read and then breezed past. Because before God talked about the formation of our kids and before God brought up the way that we talk and the way that we act and the state of our homes, before all of that, God said first things first. And he said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. God is really clear. He says, hey, this whole forming your kids thing, it's not possible unless you first put yourself in the position where I can form you. In other words, God says, formation starts with you. Honestly, like we just can't really begin the process of spiritually forming our kids' lives if we aren't first being formed and shaped and sharpened and impressed by Jesus. If we aren't being formed by Jesus, then we just don't have much to talk to our kids about when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. And if we aren't first being formed by Jesus, we won't have a good standard and a good guide for how to act with our kids. And if we aren't first being formed by Jesus, then the state of our homes is probably gonna be all over the place, right? Like one day it's cold and one day it's hot. One day dad's in my face yelling at me and the other day he's drafting for his fantasy football league and I can't even get his attention. God says that formation starts with you. As parents, if we wanna carry the responsibility of spiritually forming our kids, we have to first allow Jesus to spiritually form us. We have to consistently, with repetition, over the course of the rest of our lives, with time, put ourselves in the place where Jesus can impress us, like sharpen us and form us. If we're not breathing in the good life of Jesus for ourselves, how are we going to offer a breath of fresh air to our kids? Formation starts with you, with me, with us. And immediately we have a couple arguments in our heads for why we can't do this, and that's fine. Right, the first argument goes like this. Some of us are going like, well, it's too late for me. All right, my kid's a senior and he's gonna leave my house in a few months. Or, or my kids are in their 30s and they hate my guts and I haven't talked to them in forever. It's too late for me. If that's you, first of all, like my heart breaks for you, but also I'd say, okay, sure. All right, that's a fair argument. Sure, of course, ideally, the best time to start this whole spiritual formation thing is before your kids are born. If if we wanna live in a dream world, the best time to start this spiritual formation thing is the minute you can say your ABCs, all right? That's just not the hand that a lot of us were dealt. And Jesus knows that. So I'd say sure. Ideally, the best time to start the spiritual formation thing is when you're an infant. I would also say that the second best time to start the spiritual formation thing is always now. Don't wait. Don't delay for another day, another week, another year, another season. Just jump in and start now. That brings us to the second argument, though, the one that's in most of our heads right now. Argument goes like this. I can't start this spiritual formation thing in my own life because I don't know the first thing about it. Like, what am I supposed to do? Again, that's a fair argument. In the same way, you can't really start working out if you don't have a gym membership and you don't have a trainer or you don't even know like the first thing about form and technique and how to use a squat rack. Like best case scenario, you're gonna waste your time. Worst case scenario, you're gonna hurt yourself. So that's a good argument. 
right? Same thing with spiritual formation. You don't wanna waste your time and you don't wanna get spiritually hurt. And so let me offer you a solid first step. And it is this, get your butt to all seven weeks of our next series. And here's why I say that. I'm so pumped about this next series we're doing. Like we have shaped all seven weeks of it around a 35 day spiritual formation challenge. Right, next weekend, Jim's gonna get up here. He's gonna explain and kind of introduce this challenge to us. There's gonna be an app that you can download for free if you wanna join the challenge with us. And the app is gonna guide you through a list of like five spiritual disciplines that you're gonna do every day. And we're all gonna do this together every single day for 35 days straight. If you miss a discipline, if you miss a day, you gotta start over. But all of us, as like one big, massive church, we're gonna like embark on this journey together. We're gonna start this challenge on the very same day. We're gonna finish on the very same day. And then the last weekend of the series, we're just gonna have a massive party to celebrate everyone who did this spiritual formation challenge together. This 35-day challenge thing that we're about to do together, it's basically spiritual formation 101, all right, it's all the stuff that we talked about today in an easy to practice, easy to understand format. We will guide you through the thing. You just show up and put in the time and put in the repetition. And I'm so pumped about this challenge because by the end of the 35 days, we will be different people. We will. I, I'm not saying we're gonna be perfect or that we're gonna have it all figured out, we're gonna have it made, but you are gonna be able to look back and go, I'm a different man than I was even just 35 days ago. Like we're gonna be able to see the spiritual before and after picture of what happens if you actually put yourself in the position for Jesus to form you. And I believe that we're gonna get like our feet under us as parents and as friends and bosses and employees and, and students and fiancés and spouses, you name it. And after we go through this challenge together, I believe we're gonna be a different church. I can't wait for it. So if you wanna embark on this like spiritual formation thing, but you don't really know how to start, the challenge is get your butt to church for all seven weeks of our next series. All right, that's, that's the big one, but then two more quick takeaways before we get out of here, all right? Because I know that there's some of us, we're sitting here right now, and you're going like, dude, I actually think that I am being spiritually formed by Jesus, but I'm still drowning when it comes to parenting, and I just need some tangible help. Okay, cool, two things you can do. First of all, our family ministry has worked really, really hard for the last few months to put together a, a page on our website that has this list of parent resources like podcasts and books and tools that you can use. So one thing you could do is you head to our website, flatironschurch.com family, and get a hold of some of these like parenting tools, these resources. In fact, one of these tools on there is called the Parent Q app. Like if you wanna download that, you can just... Skip the whole website thing and scan that QR code right now. The Parent Q app is repetition plus time for the formation of your kids. Well, it's cool. What you do is you put in the age of your kid, you put in the name of your kid. So I'd put like Emery 8, Micah 6, Chloe 3. And every single day it spits out, first of all, what your kids learned that week in our kids ministry or in our student ministry. Spits you out Bible verses you can talk about. Spits you out questions that can foster conversation and activities that you can do with your kids all based on the age that they currently are. It's awesome. All right, so, so head to our website get some resources, download the Parent Q app. And then the other thing that you could do is you could get involved in a small group, like we just talked about earlier. 
right? And this weekend is the perfect time to do that because this weekend is our small group launch, which means you can head out of this room, go into the lobby here or at any of our campuses. You can find this stuff online and you can get signed up to become part of a small group right now because honestly, sometimes Allie and I are dying for resources for parenting, but I'd say most of the time, we just want more time with other parents, We just wanna be able to share some of our war wounds with other people. It's like sometimes we're looking for advice, but most of the time we just need to know that we're not alone or we wanna talk to, to parents who have older kids who can tell us that they've been where we are right now. And you can find that in a small group. So that's three things you can do, do after, after this talk and, and as you head into the week. If, if you wanna get involved in the spiritual formation thing, get your butt to church for all seven weeks of the next series. And then if you want some, some help with parenting, then head to our website or sign up for a small group today. All right, cool. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna change gears for a little bit for the very end of this thing. All right, so let's, let's switch gears. Like Jim has been talking about here, we want to build more time into our weekends for prayer. And the cool thing about prayer is that it can look different. So like sometimes you can pray by kind of just sitting silently with your thoughts and other times you can pray with other people or someone will pray over you or you can pray by like kind of journaling your thoughts into a notebook. There's a ton of different ways that we can pray. And one of the ways that we can pray is by singing together. In fact, uh, the book of Psalms, smack dab in the middle of your Bible is a book of prayers that are songs. They were prayers that were meant to be sung in groups of believers together. And so we're gonna pray that way. Because here's the truth. Today, like after talking about parenting, I, I know that lands heavily on some of us. Like, so some of us feel sadness because we wish we could have done this like forever ago, back when our kids were, were still like living under our roof. And others of us feel nervousness. It's because you're pregnant and, and you've painted the room and, and you've taken the classes and, and you've assembled the crib, but you're realizing like you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. And then others of us feel pain because our kids are in a bad way right now or we feel pain because we haven't talked to our kids in decades or maybe we lost one of our kids or we had the doctor sit us down and say, I'm sorry, you're never gonna have your own kids. I, I just know that anytime that we talk about parenting, there are hundreds of broken hearts that just feel broken all over again. And so I think it's a good time to pray together. And we're gonna do that by singing a song together. We're gonna sing this song called The Blessing, all right? It's a simple prayer. It's a, it's a prayer over yourself and it's a prayer over everyone else sitting in this room and in our different campuses or, or watching online. We're gonna sing this song and make that our prayer today. And we're gonna do it in a few phases, all right? And don't worry about that, we'll guide you through it. All right, so first I'm gonna ask that you stand. All right, we're about to sing this for the first time in For the first time that we sing through this, I I want us to sing this as a prayer, and I want us to be praying for anyone who is currently feeling brokenhearted as part of the Flatirons family. Anyone brokenhearted in this room or at any of our campuses or or watching online. We're gonna sing this song as a prayer over the brokenhearted, and I would just tell you that if you feel brokenhearted right now, I'd actually suggest that you don't sing 
I would suggest that you listen. You listen to these hundreds of other voices singing this prayer over you and you make it your own. Because today, if you're brokenhearted, our prayer for you is simple. Our prayer is that the Lord would bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And our prayer is that the Lord would turn his face toward you and give you peace. So let's sing this song together right now as a prayer over the brokenhearted.